Find out what the whole world is thinking in the agenda. This week on the agenda, Italy votes in the most right-wing government since the Second World War. What does the rise of Maloney mean for the country, the EU and the world? It's been an historic week for the people of Italy. Just as the pollsters have predicted, they'll now have not only their first female prime minister, but more importantly, the most right-wing government since Mussolini. Maloney's victory follows substantial gains for the right in recent elections in places like Sweden and France. So what does this really mean for Italy and indeed the whole of Europe? With me now are Cecilia Emma Sortilotta, Assistant Professor of International Relations and Global Politics at the American University of Rome, and Lorenzo Codogno, former Chief Economist at the Italian Treasury. Thank you both so much for, for joining us. Um, let me start with you first, Cecilia Emma, because the, the numbers here are really quite astonishing. If we look at the Brothers of Italy party, in 2018 they polled something like 4%. Four years later, and we're looking at 26%. So just how did Giorgia Maloney do it? So um, I would like to say, first of all, that that's not so unusual in Italian politics. Actually, we've seen other parties uh, doing more or less, having more or less the same trajectory. So for instance, the Five Star Movement, which did not exist in 2000, and it was created in 2009, received an, uh, over 23% of, of preferences for the Chamber of Deputies in 20. 13. So that's not unusual. I think that the, the answer there is probably um, in to be found in the profound dissatisfaction that the Italian electorate has been experiencing in the past few decades. Uh, therefore, any party that's convincing, that's able to present itself as a new alternative, uh, I think uh, is likely to to have impressive gains. And Meloni was very um, capable uh, in intercepting that kind of sentiment, um, and she stole a lot of votes from her allies, actually, uh, in the uh, right um, side of the political spectrum. So the way she speaks, it's quite seductive. She's very charismatic. Lorenzo, I wonder if you agree with Cecilia Emma's assessment there, if it's dissatisfaction over decades, in, within the uh, the Italian population, or is it geopolitics? Is it something else? I certainly agree. I mean, Italy has uh, has had a very poor economic performance over the past 20, 30 years, and uh, even uh, since uh, the global financial crisis, the situation hasn't really recovered that much. So, uh, effectively, there is a lot of dissatisfaction, which uh, even uh, a, a competent person such as uh, Prime Minister Draghi was not able really to, to change. And it is also true that uh, Italians are less and less uh, ideologically attached to any specific party, so they can actually change uh, um, support um, from one party to the other, depending on the election, what is on offer. Having said that, I think the outcome of the elections uh, are very much the result of uh, 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 of a disappointing performance of the left and central left, because uh, uh, the central right uh, presented uh, itself as a united front, uh, while the the the, the central left uh, was uh, disunited in three blocks effectively. One centrist block, uh, the PD, which is a social democrat party, and then the Five Star Movement, which is now very much leaning to the left. So I think, uh, given the Italy's electoral system. 
and there was no chance for the centre left to win this election. You talk about that disappointment with, with the left, um, which has given impetus to the right. And to Chile, Emma, I wonder what you think that the victory um, for, for Meloni really says about what's happening across the rest of Europe, that move to, to the right and the far right. You know, is right-wing populism like the Brexit campaign um, in the UK, the rise of the Sweden Democrats, Marine Le Pen's surge in France. It, is that the new normal? I First of all, I'd like to say that I, I absolutely um, agree uh, with Lorenzo's analysis. Uh, I think this is uh, perhaps much more of a failure of the left, centre-left, uh, rather than a victory for the right. And I don't necessarily agree that Italy is turning right in, in terms of votes. Italy is turning right because the electoral system um, really provides a huge bonus for parties that manage to create a coalition. And the left didn't, as, as Lorenzo was saying, the, the left didn't do that, uh, which uh, really made it very easy for the right to win. Now, having said that, of course, we are um, sort of seeing that uh, um, the right is gaining momentum across uh, across Europe. And I think that, again, there are certain issues that perhaps the left is not addressing. Um, you know, um, socialist parties or center-left parties are not perceived as responsive to uh, certain uh, needs, evidently, of the population. And that greatly helps far-right or uh, populist parties that are not exactly the same thing, right? So we saw that with Brexit, I think, that it was a perfect example of how uh, a fringe party managed to instrumentalize uh, the country's membership uh, in the EU to sort of uh, um, give voice to a number of um, problems that perhaps had not been addressed. So uh, concerns about migration, concerns about the healthcare system, uh, which had been uh, privatized and whose services uh, had been uh, in, you know, the worsening in terms of, of performance and so on and so forth. So I think that's perhaps the leading thread that we see across Europe. But Cecilia, Emma, you make it sound like it was almost an accident of the electoral system and yet you list all of those policy objectives that are, are tapping into to the electorate. When you hear Maloney speak and she talks of God, family and, and the state, um, that sounds um, a little bit like what we heard in parts of Europe in the 1930s. Yes, but, you know, in the case of Italy, I think that has also to do with the fact that uh, the country didn't really reckon uh, its fascist past as much as, uh, for instance, other countries um, did with their own past. And so I think she's playing with that kind of narrative uh, that is still kind of alive uh, in, in, in the country. But this doesn't mean, I mean, this doesn't mean that um, she won't, uh, that she will necessarily mark a huge discontinuity with Italy's uh, policies so far. Actually, what we witness right now are efforts and very justified and reasonable, I think, efforts at reassuring uh, in Italy's international partners. Uh, so um, everybody, I think, in Italy who knows Italy, um, expects uh, the country to be very, very much aligned with the, with the U.S. and NATO in foreign policy, and also, uh, but the, here perhaps Lorenzo can chip in um, uh, about this, but also in terms of budgetary policies, economic, you know, financial, uh, fiscal policy. I think that Meloni's led, you know, Meloni led the Meloni led government 
uh, will be rigorous. I think that's um, that's what she, she she is not trying to pull Italy out of the European Union. Nothing. I don't think we should expect anything of the sorts. Lorenzo, is that something you agree with that Maloney is going to be quite rigorous? I mean, let, let's talk about what what this is all going to mean for the Italian economy, growth, etc. Yeah, first of all, let me say that uh, I don't fully agree with the narrative that uh, Italy is moving back to fascism. Uh, I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, fascists are a tiny minority in the Italian population. And certainly the, the people that voted for Brothers of Italy are not really voting for a fascist party. They, party. And, uh, and I think it's not fair to depict uh, the Brothers of Italy as a fascist party. It is a a, a, a right party, a nationalist right party, so with that, uh, with everything that comes with it, okay? Yeah. In economic terms, uh, I think uh, I would expect uh, at the margin uh, more protectionism, uh, more kind of uh, um, state intervention, and maybe less competition, which is not good, okay? But maybe there won't be a major departure from fiscal discipline, and uh, and uh, even uh, you know the policies I mentioned, uh, we we are thinking about changes at the margin, but uh, certainly not a big upheaval because, as you can imagine, uh, all these matters are also uh, within the framework of the European Union, and you saw Italy cannot depart too much uh, from the script, so to speak. So I don't think that uh, there will be major changes in policies, uh, although. Uh, for in some areas, clearly there will be change, uh, immigration policies for sure, but also in terms of uh, 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 economy, I think uh, there will be um, a, a drive to kind of move uh, to protect some uh, businesses, some uh, sectors, which uh, is something that we haven't seen in the past. Let's talk then about Meloni maybe sticking to the policies as they are and continuing that way. Meloni mm. says she wants to see a more political and less bureaucratic EU. So what does she mean by that? I think that what she means by that is what the goal, if you will, uh, meant, uh, meaning that she uh, doesn't envisage, as I said, like uh, uh, a needle exit or anything of the sort, but she, I mean, her way of seeing the European Union is probably more of an intergovernmental organization. So Europe of nations where national identities, especially, uh, are not erased in the name of a common European identity. Uh, so that's, I think, what, what she means. And if I can just uh, chip in on uh, what was said before, uh, Lorenzo, I think that in terms of migration, for instance, uh, the European Union will be called into question by Meloni, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I expect the change in that area to be to be uh, more uh, superficial than uh, more rhetoric rather than than facts, because actually Italy has been uh, very strict on migration and very restrictive migration like measures in terms of, in terms of migration have actually been introduced by a left wing government uh, under under uh, Gentiloni's uh, leadership a few years back. So uh, even in that area, I do not see huge shift because Italy was already quite restrictive uh, in in a sense. And Lorenzo, in, in terms of scrutinising EU policy, Meloni um, said that she wants to review various financial arrangements within the EU, you know, presumably not the billions of euros that um, Italy received from the EU post-Covid for that stimulus package. Yeah, I think we have to put uh, things into context because uh, uh, it is true that uh, 
all three major parties in the center-right coalition had their kind of Eurosceptic moment in the past. Maybe either implicitly or explicitly. By implicitly, I mean at some point uh, they also proposed a sort of parallel currency, which is clearly against any uh, uh, any uh, euro uh, area provision. So, um, so at some point they were eurosceptic. I, I, I certainly acknowledge that uh, the attitude towards Europe is certainly not uh, uh, the one that uh, would, you would uh, you would expect from uh, from a country that has traditionally been very much uh, euro uh, uh, supportive. But uh, uh, I think uh, there is limited scope uh, to change uh, the situation, the approach of Italy towards Europe and also towards the major uh, the European initiative of the past few years, which is Next Generation EU. I mean, uh, backsliding on, uh, on a package that is worth more than 200 billion of loans and grants would be nonsense for anybody. Okay? Yeah. This is kind of free money coming from Europe. So uh, my guess is that uh, the new government will like to change some uh, uh, bits and pieces at the margin. Keep in mind that the two major parties of the coalition, the League and the Brothers of Italy, are siding with law and justice in Poland and Feders in, uh, in Hungary. So they are at the fringe of the European political spectrum. And therefore, they will be, to some extent, sidelined uh, in the major polit policy debates in Europe. Yeah. And so my guess is that uh, Italy will, be, uh, will become uh, marginalized a little bit in terms of policies, uh, right. but uh, won't really change that much in terms of the stance towards the major European projects. Cilia Emma, I wonder what, what you think about this, because Maloney's already butted heads, hasn't she, with the EU? when it comes to support for Hungary's Viktor Orban for, for one, after Brussels said the country could no longer be considered a, a democracy. So how powerful do you think that this far-right grouping might now prove within Europe? So that, that's an interesting issue and very complex, a very complex one. Um, I really think that the issue to watch um, is um, also Meloni's attitude vis-a-vis -vis the whole Ukraine uh, situation. And I think that, as a matter of fact, uh, she will probably be closer to Poland in many ways than to uh, than to Hungary, precisely because, and you know, Russia, the Russian issue really divides Hungary from Poland because Poland is firmly, firmly placed in the NATO camp, so to speak. So, and I expect uh, sort of Meloni to bang wagon with, with that kind of um, um, choice, which will make her less marginalized perhaps in Europe, because again, uh, the European Union is very much aligned with, uh, with NATO at this point on the Ukrainian issue. And this very morning, I think Meloni um, was uh, thanked by, I mean, there was a, a sort of congratulation by Zelensky on Twitter to to Meloni for winning the election and Meloni replied in English because of course her audience in this case is not Italian but it's rather again the European Union you know the US and she replied by saying that Italy stands firm supporting Ukraine so that's perhaps a way in which she can avoid the marginalization and also on your skepticism it's true um, do we heard a lot of criticism I mean Meloni's party was the only party in the opposition under Draghi 
So she was very critical even of the EU recovery plan, uh, which, uh, which, as we were saying, it doesn't make much sense because it's about really money that Italy will receive. So we, we want that as a country, which is also highly indebted, right? Uh, but at the same time, so she, she did that because, of, of course, it was a rhetorical, again, a device to differentiate herself. But during the electoral campaign, she was very careful, I think, about the European Union. So, of course, I do not expect uh, even personal relationships with, with the EU officials to be the best, uh, especially at the beginning. But uh, overall, I think there will be um, a good uh, sort of um, level of, of cooperation or a decent level of cooperation. Let's go back to talking about money and the energy markets. Um, Lorenzo, one of the big issues, of course, is Italy's reliance on Russian gas. And the IMF has estimated that an embargo on um, Russian gas will see an economic contraction of around 5% in Italy. I mean, that's larger than anywhere else in Europe, except for places like Czechia, Hungary, Slovakia. So how do you see the new government addressing that? Well, that... There is not much that Italy can do on its own, so to speak. Uh, on its own, I can only decide how to split uh, the cost uh, within the economy between uh, uh, households and uh, companies within the private sector and the public sector. But uh, uh, in terms of policies, uh, uh, Italy has no choice but to stay united with the rest of Europe in order to uh, push uh, uh, on push out on, on Putin and try to prevent uh, uh, rationing of gas. Um, I think uh, the, the high cost of energy is already producing a very high cost for the economy. And in some sectors, high cost is almost equivalent to rationing because effectively some uh, uh, businesses can no longer operate with prices that are so high. Having said that, rationing would be a completely different ballgame because it would basically stop production in some sectors. And that would be hugely uh, dysfunctional for the Italian economy. So I fully agree with the estimate of sizable contraction in the economy in case of rationing. Lorenzo Codogno, thank you very much. And Cecilia Emerson-Sotilotto, thank you so much. The move to the right in Italy could well have serious consequences for the country's international relations, especially with China. During the campaign, Maloney said she had no political will to favour Chinese expansion into Italy or Europe. To consider whether she'll follow through on that statement, I'm joined now from Beijing by Michele Garacci, China expert and former Under Secretary of State at the Italian Ministry of Economic Development. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, of course, Italy was the only G7 to sign up to China's Belt and Road Initiative, signing that Memorandum of Understanding back in 2018, which I believe you played a part in drawing up. Now, Maloney, she suggested she wants to pull out of that agreement. I mean, do you think she will or was that just talk as part of the election campaign? I think during election campaign, uh, many leaders uh, do make announcements to maybe try to clarify their position. And most, uh, most times, uh, all statements uh, against uh, certain countries uh, are really not aimed at those countries, but to, to reassure the other side, in this case, the United States, that uh, Italy would remain a solid member of the NATO uh, and of the EU. Uh, and so, in a way, in order to, to make that uh, uh, promise uh, look real, you also add uh, an ancillary statement uh, such as uh, 
we would not necessarily uh, welcome Chinese expansion into Europe uh, and uh, things uh, to that uh, to that extent. But uh, I do think they are just, uh, um, like you said, the, you know, electoral campaign uh, uh, slogans. In which case, do you think the relationship remains intact and will it strengthen? And if so, how? Well, uh, this is uh, uh, unclear because uh, the new government has not been formed yet uh, and uh, it's a coalition of uh, three uh, parties. Uh, Meloni is actually centrist, not uh, right and definitely not far right as maybe some of the media has portrayed her. Um, it depends on how the new cabinet is going to be formed. Now, the relationship uh, with China is a important relationship because uh, China is the fourth uh, trading partner of uh, Italy. So uh, it is uh, impossible to do without uh, China and also without uh, the rest of Asia and uh, Africa that uh, in a way uh, goes along with, uh, with China. So whilst the US, France and Germany are our top three uh, trading partners, there is another part of the world that uh, keeps on growing. So. Uh, I think the trick, uh, and this is what I try to do, is to separate the geopolitics uh, with, uh, from trade. So we can be part of the NATO, fine, uh, but uh, still continue to do business uh, with, uh, with China, export uh, more uh, to China, which is, by the way, exactly the same thing that uh, the United States uh, do with China. They do want China to purchase more of goods made in the United States. Uh, that's what Germany does. So there is no uh, really conflict in being part of a geopolitical alliance uh, and at the same time doing business uh, with uh, other countries. So in terms of trade, you're, you're saying that relationship is quite key. Where, where else would you say it, there's um, a relationship developing and strengthening between Italy and China? There are many areas. Uh, for example, we are now in an energy crisis. We want to develop uh, uh, renewable green energy and China has the capacity. Uh, we have the sun and China has a solar panel that uh, we can purchase at a relatively uh, low cost, lower than the ones that we would be able to produce here in uh, Europe. So that would accelerate a little bit the green uh, transition. Now the issue is now Will we then rely entirely on China like we do on gas from Russia? That, that's not a worry because uh, uh, gas goes via pipes that are physically there and they cannot be replaced. While solar panel, you can buy them from whoever you like if you want to get rid of a supplier. So I'm not too worried about uh, growing into a too close interdependency with China. The other area is, uh, of course, the development of infrastructure in, uh, in part of the Belt and Road, which is not just about Italy and China. The Belt and Road is about the development of all of Asia and all of Africa uh, as well. And so there are, I think, immense opportunities for Italian companies to cooperate with Chinese companies, agricultural machinery, uh, energy development, uh, also in those areas, uh, raw materials that we also need. Uh, so. You know, we have to look at a very, very open mind at the relationship, which is not just China investing into Italy that looks not to welcome because it could have the tone of a predatory 
acquisition, which, by the way, is not uh, only if China does it, if any other country does acquisition into Italy, there is always the risk that it could be predatory. And we do have an uh, issue of uh, predatory acquisition from not from China, but also from, from France and from other countries that are closer to ours. So, so uh, putting aside the issue of incoming predatory um, acquisition, we can look out at Asia and Africa as a way, as a playing field on where we can cooperate. You talk about those opportunities in infrastructure, in, in the green economy. You've also said that there's going to be a juggling act, because Maloney hasn't really formed the government yet. So do you think she's going to still allow these opportunities to be realised? Uh, yes, the, because it, Maloney, if one thing she does very well, she is pro-Italy. So anything that brings benefits to Italy, she will do it. So the question is to understand uh, that these opportunities indeed do bring benefits to Italy. If they do, I think she will have no problem in pursuing. Michele Garacci, thank you. Coming up on a future agenda. Running out of water, why the rains across Europe now may not be enough to prevent serious droughts next summer. But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all of the Agenda team here in London, goodbye.